God is using them to draw them, draw you closer to him so you know I am blessed. Amen. Good morning. For those of you that may not know me, my name is Justin Williams, and I have the honor, I have the privilege, I have the responsibility to bring the word this morning. Amen. In light of our absence, past, uh, absence he's trusted me to, to, to bring the word this morning, and I cannot tell you, I cannot tell him just how grateful I am, how thankful I am. I do not take it for granted. It's a blessing to be here this morning. Amen. I guess we better go ahead and get to it. <laughs> uh, if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your Bibles with you, our reading for today comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 3. The book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verse 3, King James Version. When you have it, please say amen. amen. And it reads as such in our hearing. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Amen. You may be seated. The title that God gave me this morning, and I think it's a title that we all need to hear, especially in the times that we're going through, real love hurts. Real love hurts. Heavenly Father, even now, pour me out, Lord God. Hide me behind your glory. Hide me behind your character. Give me the words that you have for me to say. Do what only you are able to do. I have nothing apart from you. Hide me behind you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen. This scripture, if you know the context and you look at the history, it seems contrary and doesn't match up with what Israel is going through at the time that it was written. Because at the time that it was written, Israel is in exile in Babylon. And at this point, chapter 30, the chapter before chapter 31 says that Israel is getting their behind whooped by God because of the sins that they've committed against him. In fact, Chapter 30 says that the nature of their sin was so incurable and so grievous that God is chastising them by placing them in the hands of the Babylonians. Now, if you know anything about the Babylonians at this point, it seems like God doesn't care anymore. It seems like God has just given them over. It seems that he doesn't feel the same way that he used to because if he did, why would he place them in the hands of a people like the Babylonians? The Babylonians at this time had a reputation for being some of the baddest people on the planet, but on top of that, they were straight evil. Their practices were evil. They were known for torturing. They were known for murdering. They were known for some of the most ugly offenses known to man, and God places them in the hands of these people. It seems like God has forsaken them. If he hadn't, why would he place them here? But the answer is simple. Because he wants to remind them of who he is. And wants to remind them that he is their everything. 
that they can do nothing apart from him, that they have nothing apart from him, so that they will give him their heart. So he uses some of the ugliest circumstances to do just that, because during their times of prosperity, it seems like Israel had a bad habit of forgetting who God was. And it seems like they had a bad habit of remembering that he was the reason for their success. Funny enough, the same thing can be said about us. Because when everything is going good, when everything is going well, we're so focused on what is in God's hands that we forget what's in his heart. And so God allows us to go through circumstances that are uncomfortable, circumstances that are painful, circumstances that are crushing, because he wants to remind us that he is our strength, he is our source, he is our life, he is our peace, he is our joy, he is our everything. And so it's important to know that while we're going through what we're going through, that God's love is greater than our circumstances. He's showing his heart toward us so that we will give him ours. And that suffering is the cost of surrender. Knowing these truths can give us the right perspective of who God is in the midst of what we're going through. But it starts with knowing that his love is greater than what we go through. It's funny because in the verses leading up to Jeremiah 31 and 3, in the midst of what Israel is going through and know that they have suffered some things that we would deem unimaginable. God promises to restore them and to end their captivity and bring them into a place of joy, bring them into a place of glory, bring them to a place of thanksgiving. He spends a lot of chapter 30 chastising them, but he also spends a lot of chapter 30 promising them that it will come to an end even though their circumstances are saying something completely different. Their pain has told them that not only has God forgotten them, but that it's not going to get any better. In fact, since they've been in Babylon, things have only gotten worse. When we finally get to Jeremiah 31 and 3, Jeremiah says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, And therefore, with loving kindness, have I drawn thee. What? (laughs) Huh? God, up until this point, you've allowed us to go through what no person alive will be able to go through. Things that have made us want to quit. Things that have made us want to give up. Things that make us question whether or not we still yours. And in the midst of that suffering, you tell us that you have loved us? With an everlasting love and with loving kindness, you have drawn us. Many of us know exactly what Israel was going through at this point because we've been hit with a similar suffering. We've reached the place that in the morning we've been under so much attack that waking up seemed like a curse. We've been in front of the Lord at night, prostrate before him, wondering whether or not we're still his child because what we're going through doesn't match up with what he said we are in him. A lot of times we allow what we go through to speak louder than he is. 
and a lot of times what you're going through is not the result of what you've done, is not the result of sin that you may have committed. Now, mind you, we will face the consequences of our actions. But Jesus promises us two things in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says, in the world, ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. Trouble doesn't come our way because of what we do or don't do. Trouble comes our way because of the fact that no one is exempt for trouble. And many times we don't get to pick the trouble that we go through. But what the Israelites failed to understand and what we fail to understand about the sovereignty of God's character is that in his love, he uses our trouble, uses our suffering to bring us to a place of surrender in him. Without a suffering as profound as this one, Israel never would have knew just how bad they needed God. They never would have knew just how deep God's heart was toward him. And many times the same thing can be said about us. So my question is this, how do we respond when God's heart doesn't match up with what we go through? How do we respond when his love toward us doesn't line up with our circumstances? I'm discovering that if we're not careful, pain and prosperity can be idols. That we can put so much of our time and so much of our focus in what we see in front of us that we forget that God is even there. And we forget who God is and what he feels toward us. Mm. Mm. So a lot of times he reveals who he is in our heart toward us in the midst of what we go through so that the point of our pain can be the place of our peace because he is using it to draw us toward him so that he can be right there in the midst so that you can know him better as who he is. Your source, your everything, your life, your light, your joy. He is using that to pull you deeper into him so that you know him better than what you thought you did. That's why Paul says in Romans 8 and 18, I reckon that the sufferings of the present time ain't even worthy, ain't even worth being compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. The glory that he's talking about, the glory that God is working to reveal in us in the midst of what we go through is Christ himself in us. The light of the knowledge of who he is in us. And many times that glory has to be made known with what God allows us to go through because being humbled hurts. Being humbled hurts. And only in true sincerity and only in true humility can God trust us with the glory of who he is. Why? Because many times God needs to know that he has our heart before he gives us what's in his. That's the point of what he's allowing us to go through. That's the point of the suffering we may be in right now. Whether or not you're in it, going through it, or about to go through it, the point of what you are going through is for God to draw you closer and deeper to him so that you know him better. And a lot of times we tell ourselves and we even tell God that he already has our heart because we think that him having our heart means we don't have to go through what we're going through. Maybe I'm just talking about me. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just me. 
But many times your suffering is set up to show you whether or not God truly has your heart. Because it's in your response to God in the midst of what you go through that shows you whether or not he actually has your heart. The question is, are we going to trust him in spite of what he allows us to suffer so that who he is can show up in us? During their 70 years in Babylon, the Israelites are in constant terror. They're constantly afraid. They're in constant fear. They've been conquered by an enemy that's way more ruthless than anything they've ever seen, anything they've ever experienced. They have never seen an enemy like this one. They're miles away from their home, which has already been destroyed, has been pillaged, and many of them have been killed. Many of them have been tortured, and they have nothing other than God's word. Nothing other than God's word to even suggest that their circumstances are going to get better. But the problem is, just like so many of us, Israel has begun to doubt the heart of God because they trusted their situation more than God's character. Many times, even as Christians, we forget that God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And because of the fact that he is the same, that means his heart toward us is the same. His love toward us is the same. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, which means that he always has, he always will love us in spite of us because of the fact that we are his. And many times because of the fact that he loves us, he uses what we go through to bring us to the point of desperation, to bring us to the breaking point so that we know everything we need is not just in him, it is him. He is the treasure. He is the source. He is what we ought to be pursuing, not just what's in his hands. In the midst of what we go through, we get to know his heart. And as we get to know his heart, the whole point of it is so that we may be able to give him ours. Anything short of that is not just a sin. It's a disappointment. Because you're looking for something other than him to fulfill you and to bring you to a place that only God can bring you to. That's why Jeremiah chapter 2 and 13 says this. It says, for my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Israel has been found guilty time and time again of attempting to replace God with someone or something that couldn't fulfill them, couldn't keep them, couldn't hold them. Even in the face of the pain and the promise, they didn't trust God with their, they didn't trust the heart of God toward them. More importantly, they didn't trust God with their heart. The question on the table is, do we? in the midst of what we go through, in the midst of what we suffer, do we really trust God with our heart? (sighs) He is the treasure. And in fact, he uses our circumstances. He is so sovereign that he uses our circumstances to show who he is to us and for us in spite of what we may be going through around us. When we look at Elijah in 1 Kings 19, Verses 11 and 12, God calls him to Mount Horeb because he's on the run from Jezebel. And God calls him out to this mountain and God passes by and Elijah sees some extreme 
phenomenon. He sees extreme circumstances. He sees a violent windstorm. He sees an earthquake. He sees a fire. And all of this, Elijah is expecting to see God in the midst of it. But scripture says that God was nowhere to be found in the midst of those things. Funny enough, after Elijah sees all of this, scripture says that Elijah hears a still, small voice. And he instantly falls down on his knees because he recognizes it as the voice of God. God will use what's going on around you to grab your attention so that he can show you his heart toward you. He shows his heart because he wants yours. And once he has a heart, circumstances don't matter as much. Yes, they're still going to hurt. Yes, they're still going to cause you heartache. But knowing the heart of God and knowing that he has yours makes what you're going through worth it. Makes what you're going through worth it. Yes, you may be in a place you don't want to be in. Yes, you still don't understand why you're going through what you're going through. But I promise you that the circumstances aren't even worth comparing to what God is doing in you and through you because of the fact that he's using them to show you him. Romans 8 and 32 Clint tells us that we already have God's heart. Yes, Romans 8 and 32 says, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? If we have his son, that means we have his heart. And if we have his heart, what else is there that he won't give us? But the problem is, he wants to make sure that he has your heart. And if he has your heart, when we honestly ask ourselves that question, God will open up our eyes to the fact that suffering is the cost of surrender. If you really want to surrender unto God, you're going to have to go through something. If you really want to give yourself unto God, there are some things that God is going to have to allow you to go through so that you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that he has your heart. Second half of Jeremiah 31 and three says this, and I'm done. Therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. What Jeremiah is saying is that God in his mercy saw fit to draw us unto himself no matter what the circumstances looked like. No matter what it felt like, no matter what it sounded like, God is using them to create a greater picture of his love toward us. And there is no greater picture of that than the cross. In John 12, 32, Jesus says, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying the type of death that he should die. God uses the most horrific death imaginable. The most cursed death, the curse that he placed on his son so that we could be called a blessing, a death that would leave him so disfigured that he didn't even look human. He used this death and lays it on his son, hoping to bring us deeper in a relationship with him. The funny thing about all this is, in spite of the circumstances, Jesus never questioned the love of God toward him. Why? He knew his heart. Not only that, Jesus made it so we could get to know the Father's heart just as he did 
And in order to do that, the cross was necessary. The cross was essential. So that there would be nothing separating us from the presence, the character, and the love of God so that we could get to know him just as Christ did. And since Revelation 13 and 8 says that Jesus was the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world, we know that before the world was created, before you were created, before I was created, before anything was in existence, God had it in his mind to allow Jesus to be called what Isaiah 53 says, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So God himself decided to take on flesh stepped into 42 generations, lived a life that was perfect under himself, that was perfect under his character, chose to die the worst death imaginable, rose from the dead, conquered sin, death, and the grave, all that seek, so he could draw us deeper to him. We're not just talking about salvation, we're talking about relationship. We're talking about knowing who God is in us, for us, through us, because he loved us just that much to draw us deeper into him so that we could know him. Whether we know it or not, that is the most blessed grace. That is the most blessed kindness because you are knowing the heart of God toward you. There is now nothing, scripture says there is nothing to separate us from the love of God. No matter what you may be going through, no matter what it may look like, your suffering is the cost of surrender. God is using your circumstances as servants. That is how sovereign God is. That is how magnificent God is. God is using what you're going through as servants. He is using what you're going through to serve the purpose of you being drawn deeper and deeper into him. For those of us that don't know him, what that means is he's calling us in the relationship with him. He's calling us to know who he is. He's calling us to know him. He's calling us to know and be taught of him. So that you can know just how sweet it is to know him. To know how lovely it is, to know how blessed it is to know him. To know how wonderful it is just so you can know him. It's him. It's him. It's him. He is doing what he is doing so that you may know him. Those of you that are online, those of you that don't have a relationship with God, those of you that are going through, are suffering, are in sorrow, know that God is doing what he is doing. 
know that he is doing what he is doing. Know that he is doing what he is doing to draw you nearer unto him. Scripture says it is good for me. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may know your statutes. What the psalmist is actually saying is, it's good that I went through what I went through because now I know you. Now I know your heart. Now I know your character. Now I know how much you love me in spite of what you allow me to go through, in spite of what it looks like. You were doing all of this so that I may know you. For those of you that may not know God, for those of you that may not know God, there's a number on the screen. There's a number that will be on the screen. 451 So that you may enter into a relationship with him. Those of us that are already in a relationship with God, he's calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper into his love and deeper into his peace and deeper into his joy and deeper into his character and deeper into the knowledge of who he is and deeper into his heart, 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 deeper into his heart so that you may know how good he is so that you can know him even better than you think you already do as your source, as your everything, as as your love, as your source, as him, so that you may know him. Your circumstances are just servants in the midst of that. Don't chase them, chase him. Don't chase your circumstances, chase him. Because he's drawing you deeper, he's drawing you closer, so that you may know him. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. That you are getting us to know you in spite of what we go through, in spite of what it looks like, in spite of the fact that it don't feel good. You are showing us you. You're showing us you. You're showing us you. We got ministers here. We got ministers here that will be outside so that if you want to get deeper, if you just need prayer, they will be here to point you to him. Because at the end of the day, he's all we got. He's all we have. Don't look at your circumstances. I know it don't look good right now. I know it don't feel good right now. I know that you're going through. But he's drawing you deeper to him. He's drawing you closer to him. He wants you to see him. Stop looking at what you're going through. Stop letting your circumstances lie to you about who God is in you and for you and through you. Stop letting your circumstances lie to you as to God loving you. God's heart doesn't change even if our circumstances do. So I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, 
His love toward you was everlasting. His grace is sufficient. Get to know him. That's the point of what you're going through. Know him. Chase him. And I promise you, he will meet you where you are. He will meet you right where you are. He will meet you right where you are. He will meet you right where you are. I'm a witness. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. I promise you, he will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are. He will meet you where you are so that you may know him. Father God, even now, glory to your name, honor to your name, peace unto your name, dominion, might, and majesty under your name. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. Even in spite of what we're going through, it's you. It's you, Lord God, that you want us to see. It's you that you want to draw us to. It's you so that we may know you better as our everything, as our source, as our covering, as our light, as our life, as our hope, as our joy, as our peace. So even in the midst of the pandemic, even in the midst of what we're going through, even in the midst of circumstances and and sacrifices, Lord God, in the midst of what's going on in our homes, in the midst of what's happening at our jobs, in the midst of what's going in the places of our hearts that don't nobody else know about, you are still God. You are using them to draw us deeper into relationship with you. So Lord God, bring us to the place of surrender. Bring us to the place where we recognize that you are our everything. That apart from you, we don't have anything, Lord God. We bring nothing to the table. But the beautiful thing is we don't need to. It's you, Father God. Heavenly Father, in the midst of, do what only you are able to do. We trust you. We bless you. We uplift you. We magnify you. We thank you for what we know is already done. In the face of the pain, in the face of the promise, we know that we got you. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. We bless you. We uplift you. We magnify you. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen.